Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Freaking first cut. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your recap episode for this week's Valspar Championship. And joining me to break it all down, Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, what is up? Happy to be here, Rick, as always. Um, what, yeah, what a week at the Valspar, the snake pit. Sam Burns gets through the snake pit, um, and kind of kind of easy through the snake pit this uh today yeah he kind of made a lot of sunday look easy we'll talk yeah. about that but also joining us it's kyle porter kp welcome i'm just hopeful that rick's internet ejects him for another five minutes so me and greg can just <laughs> just just trade our asinine takes for a while yes. and 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 show off how important rick is to this podcast <laughs> yeah, well, that is always fun that's always appreciated. However, I'm rocking fiber optics now, so they better not go out for five minutes uh, or else I'm going to have a big issue with my cable provider. Gentlemen, Samuel Holland Burns gets it done at the Valspar Championship. He does it with a three under 63. It was for the majority of the day, a two horse race. And Greg, you kind of alluded to this. Uh, it kind of looked a little bit easy at times he makes bogey on 18 that was really one of the only few blemishes but at that point it was all said and done sam burns first pga tour victory well you know i i thought and the mo- most of the day kind of looked like it was going to be a back and forth battle between keegan and sam burns and and when these guys got off to the start that they did um making a couple for sam burns making birdie at, at one and two it kind of looked like the um, you know, the struggles with a 54 hole lead or a 36 hole lead that Sam Burns, especially Keegan, that they have kind of faced in their career. Um, for Keegan, it, it was, I'm, I'm not sure if it was 54 or 36 hole leads, but he was one of six in, in closing those out. So there's been, I think it was, uh, 36 hole leads. So he's had a little bit of trouble in that, in that sense. And you wondered at the start of the day what was going to happen. Well, Sam Burns goes out and birdies one and two. Keegan birdies number one as well. Um, and, and they were kind of off to the races. And from that point on, you, you really got the sense that it was going to be these two guys coming down the stretch, which was cool to see because they're really fun guys to watch. Um, I, I like watching Keegan. I, not everybody does under pressure, but when Keegan gets under pressure, it, it's, uh, it, it's quite interesting. And I find it to be entertaining. Um, again, not everybody does, but Sam Burns just has I don't such know a simple if anybody approach. does. <laughs> Entertaining oh. is not an adjective I would have used, but I'm well, glad. Look, it was- I mean, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about we'll talk about Keegan. I'm excited to talk about Keegan, but um, but watching Sam Burns go through this, um, go through his routine, the conversations he was having with his caddy, it was it was really it, it was high quality stuff, and um, and, and I was really impressed with what he did on on the second nine, and every time he got down, he just he just continued to hit great shots, and he rolled in great putts. He's kind of the prototypical PGA Tour player, but um, a a student of mine last week was talking about these young guys on the PGA tour and what they look like. He's like, they all just ball strike it to death. And it's, it feels like none of them can putt. It feels like all the great young players are on team. No putt. And, I was kind of agreeing with him, but Sam Burns slipped my mind. And Sam Burns is a great putter, a, a, a classic young PGA Tour player with all of his ball striking ability. Um, but he really can putt as well. In terms of oxygen spent on the First Cut podcast, if we were to rank the golfers, Jordan Spieth certainly near the top, Bryson DeChambeau certainly up there as well. But KP Sam Burns gets a lot of run on this show because of the upside. We've talked about it countless times this year. We've seen him be in the final group. We've seen him hold 54 hole leads. This is the first time that he actually ends up breaking through. But this shouldn't be, I don't think, all that much of a surprise. No. And and I think especially so when you consider his pedigree, I was looking back at some of his 
his amateur stuff and it's, you know, Haskins finalist. It was him. That was the year that Thornberry won it uh, with Ole Miss. And then Wyndham Clark was the other finalist after he transferred from, from Oklahoma State to Oregon. Uh, he was SEC player of the year. Um, he was really good in college. I don't think he was ever on a Walker Cup team, but it might have had to do with like when he because he turned pro after his sophomore year. And he's been good as a pro. I, I thought it was funny. I don't know if you guys saw his transcript from Saturday, but somebody said, uh, "Have you like was your last win in college?" And he was like, "No, I, I won as a professional, but I don't I don't remember where." <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> "Like you you have one win as a pro, and you don't remember where it was? Like how is that possible?" But I I like Burns. I don't think that if you just look at his numbers, like if you take his his name out of it and just look at like his um, like statistical, like in-depth stats. He his upside is not crazy. I think he could be a a, a really like solid player on the tour for a really long time. Because I think that like, look, half the deal is being confident, right? Is mentally just like hanging in. And he talked about that with with uh, Mana Balionis afterward. Just like, hey, I learned from Tori. I learned from uh, Riviera. And I stayed in it on, on, you know, when they got to the back nine. And I think that that's, that's the stuff that like, you know, we can't, we, you can't throw that in a spreadsheet, right? Like you can't, you can't learn that from our, from datagolf.com or whatever. Uh, Rick run. Go ahead. Kyle, what do you think holds him back? If you look at the data, what do you think makes the upside? Not all that crazy. He's not an elite iron player. He's he's fine. He's been good this year, but if you look at his last, uh, we've got kind of two and a half ish years of right. of measured rounds. He just he he's not even like a zero iron player, and so it, it's it, that's gonna you can improve that. Like he he can you can work up to that, but the guys that like with the like the Morikawa Cantlay type upside, they they've always been elite iron players, right? Like yeah, I, I agree he, with that. He's not in that category. That he could win five times on the he could win a major, but it's not like in the in the Morikawa conversation. For those wondering about the other professional win from Sam Burns, it was the 2018 Savannah Golf Championship. That is a Corn Ferry Tour event. And Greg, he, I'm he glad beat, uh, he beat Scott Langley. Scott Langley finished third. Roberto Castro finished runner-up. Curtis Luck was a T5. Sungjae Im, T8 that week. Cam Champ, T11. Yeah, there's some, uh, some Sung names. Was like, Sungjae was like 15 years old, I think. Yeah, just, just popping out top 15s <laughs> all the time. Uh, I'm glad Kyle brought up that interview afterwards, Greg, because he said specifically when they got to the back nine, they just started trusting the process again. They just stayed in their process, which is something he admitted did not happen in some of these previous occasions where he had gotten himself in contention, whether he was holding the lead at Riviera, whether it was the final group with Patrick Reed at Torrey Pines, whatever it is, he admitted that he had gotten away from the process and they worked really hard here on Sunday to stay in the moment and to stay doing their thing. If you look at what guys have done of late um, on the PGA Tour and and what has led to their victory, I think a Stuart Sink. Um, if if Sam Burns was watching Stuart Sink win at the RBC Heritage, he would have seen the same thing. This is another guy who has a 54-hole lead. Um, he also had a 36-hole a lead as well, just like Sam did this week. And and all of a sudden, he sticks to the process. And, and that seems to be the answer when you get under pressure. What do you do under pressure? What's different about um, about being under the gun? What's different about Sunday than Thursday, Friday, and Saturday? And the guys that close the deal, the answer is nothing. That you you do exactly what you do on uh, on a, a Thursday round, a Friday round, a Saturday round. You do exactly the same thing. You commit to that process. It's easier said than done. It's a it's a very challenging thing, and it takes some teamwork between a caddy and a professional. It's very easy when um, when Keegan Bradley hits it in the water at number 13 to say, okay, this is over. I, I just won and, and relax your mind. And he didn't do that, which is impressive because it can get away. Keegan gets up and down at, um, what was the next one? Um, 14 at 14. 14. Yeah. Keegan gets up and down at 14. If he, if he makes a putt there, you could have, you could have had a couple of swings and, 
And Sam was in position where it didn't really matter. If Keegan made a couple of those short putts that he missed coming down the stretch, uh, it, it didn't really matter. And so I thought that was impressive. And, and it's a sign of commitment to that process. You, you know who... Uh you know who Burns reminds me of just in the way, not not his game really, but in the way he carries himself is uh, Daniel Berger. Daniel Berger. Like Berger's just kind of what, he, he, I feel like Berger is, and they sort of, I, they don't really look alike, but they sort of have the same like, you know, beard and just like, I, I feel like they're both pretty, like they can get pretty intense and I feel like they they kind of give off this aura of like, I don't really care about anything else except for what I'm doing, you know? And, and that was, I kind of, I like, I've liked Burns for a while. I thought he, he, I thought he was very endearing. Like he was fired up when he should have been fired up. It, it wasn't like the, you know, um, I, I hate to keep going back to it, but like the Ricky Fowler, like, Oh, I'm just, you know, whatever, just staying in my, in my lane. Like he was, he was, he had a good like rhythm. Like he understood what was happening and, and how it was playing out. I, I really like him a lot. And I, I think that he, I think like, I love the way he carries himself on the course. I thought it was pretty impressive. I, I see Kyle in that. I, I, um, I see some Dustin Johnson in the way he mm. carries himself and in interviews too. I mean, the, I don't know what win was my win. That kind of answer is um, something you'd hear out of DJ. But the thing is, and there's a brilliance to it where it, it's uh, it's to your point about the focus on um, the focus on what's going on in the moment, which I think Dustin Johnson has a real keen ability to do. He, he's not worried about losing a 36 hole lead or a 54 hole lead. He's not worried about the failures. He's worried about what's right in front of him. Um, and I think that aura is there and, and it's kind of a simplistic approach. And, um, and, and that's kind of where I draw that connection. I actually have a bone to pick with you, Kyle, if you don't mind here for a second. Yeah, let's um, go. Let's hear it. I thought, I thought you were very cowardly with your, uh, Vince Carter gif, uh, this week. Uh, okay. when, did, when did you when did you send it out? Set like two holes to go. <laughs> so listen, I so you know when I wanted to send it out was after fourteen. Can I guess? Okay, I was gonna say it was over when he decided to lay up on fourteen. Did not take the the risk because he didn't like the limb and the way and the angle that he had, and then he stuffed one to eighteen inches or whatever. That's when it was over. So that's when so you're saying you wanted to send it as soon as his ball came to rest on fourteen on the approach. I always have like this, like this pinprick of like, okay, it's, it's Vince time. And that was it. And I, I was cowardly. I didn't send it out then. I should have. I, you're, you're right, Rick. You are, you got me. I'm, I'm, I was a coward. It was, it was soft. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> okay, Keegan Bradley is going to finish a solo runner up 14 under par as we mentioned for the vast majority of the day. This was a two horse race when both of these golfers stepped on the tee, Greg of 13, they were tied. Uh Sam Burns hits a safe shot, he's on the green, he's dancing, he's he's far away, and Keegan finds the water, eventually makes a double. He compounds that error with a missed 4-foot par putt on 15. Then he hits the shot of the day on 17, his last gasp of hope. He stuffs one to five feet on 17 and misses that five foot birdie putt without Mark here. Uh, I will say you got to make putts on Sunday. Keegan did not do that. It was, um, it, it was, Mark, Mark would be right here, but I was watching the, watching the statistics. This is, these are the moments where you're putting Keegan's putting this week was, was better. I mean, I know yesterday he kind of struggled on the greens, um, for the most part, but earlier in the week it was better. And for much of the day today, I was watching where he was in the field and strokes game putting for the week. Um, he was positive most of the day putting mm-hmm. today and he was 22nd, I think was the best I saw in the field. Um, and then all of a sudden he missed the one on 15. That's the one I was referring to earlier where Sam Burns let he, he came up well short on his approach. Keegan had a great bunker shot and he's he's right there with a the chance to, you know, make it a tournament again, almost immediately after hitting it in the water and um, and then losing the next hole, too. And he's got a chance to make it interesting again. And he didn't. And that was kind of lets the wind out of your sails. And it's those moments when you have an opportunity. Can you overcome the 
fears that you have? Can you overcome the demons of, um, of, of how much you've struggled in your career on the greens? And Keegan really has struggled ever since say 2000 and, um, and, 14. It was really in 2014 he made a switch. He started to tinker with other putters, getting out of the belly putter, and the statistics really plummeted. He was as good as 35th on tour in strokes game putting, and after his rookie year, he was basically between 35th and 50th for the next three years, um, which was was really pretty good. And he was a really good player and had an ability to win. And um, in 2011, he was rookie of the year. And then he started to switch. And all of a sudden, he falls out of the top 140 almost every year since. I think it was every year since. And, and that still continues to this day. But he was on the upside. I was really high on Keegan coming into this week for that reason. I think it was since um, it was either I was on your site, Rick. I was calculating where he has been in strokes game putting. And it was either um, at the beginning of the year or since the Arnold Palmer Invitational. I can't remember which one I did. I think it was Arnold Palmer Invitational. He was gaining nearly a tenth um, uh, to the field in strokes game putting 0.09, which was really pretty good for him. And and he was show that was showing out throughout the week. It was really showing out today even. And then he just started to miss some short, short putts. And it, it speaks to me to his belief. I don't think Keegan's belief in himself and his ability to make those putts is still there. And that's why when the moment gets really big, um, that area of his game fades away. I, I actually, I kind of disagree here a little bit because I, yeah. I, I thought that it was – I thought he putted well enough throughout – I, I, I hear what Greg's saying, but it, to me it was the shot on 13. I mean, it, it, well, like what is he doing there? Was he going at that pin? Was he – was there – like did he have the wrong club? Like I, I don't really – like it, you, you are what you are. Like he, he, you, right. like Keegan can't re, like all of a sudden on Sunday rely on the putt. Not that that's not what you were saying that he was doing, but he, he knows he's going to have to ball, ball strike it for seventy two holes to win the golf tournament. And when you hit, when you do that on thirteen, you just you're not like. Are you going to be able to put your way back into it? I, I don't know. It's just it's it's that's a difficult thing for him to do. But you just apply a little bit of pressure. You're, I know I agree with you. The shot on 13 is the is the turning point, but you have that opportunity to get within two when you're in the you're in the snake pit. Uh, you're heading into the snake pit, which Sam Burns has struggled with. And if you're within two, you have a you have a chance in, in one hole to to erase that lead completely. Yeah. In fact, yeah, it happened already during the day. So you had an opportunity if the putt on 15 goes in, you're still in the mix. And it let him down. But Kyle, you ha- you sent out a tweet um, about Keegan, how his hands are getting. I think I think it was you about his hands getting lower and lower. Oh, was they said they, oh, was oh no, I thought okay. they said I thought they said on the broadcast too. Um, you talked well. Okay, so no laying up talked about his hands getting lower and lower as it goes. Like he was going to hit himself in the knees. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the one. I, I for I for some reason thought that was you. So anyway. Um, that happens to people on the when when you get nervous it happens to all golfers of all levels you start getting nervous or it starts getting windy the tendency is to to bend over more and when keegan starts with his hands as low as he does already and you bend over more all it gets really it, it looks really extreme and that leads to what happened on 13 yeah. Um, all, all, and he blocks it to the right. And that's what happens when you start to bend over a little more. You can't quite, you don't quite have the same mobility and you have a tendency of standing out of the shot. And it's exactly what happened to him there. Um, and, and he wasn't the same after that. I, I agree Bur- with you there. Burns also like there are times where he looks like Albert Bell, like when on his follow through. Like it, it is, I mean, the, the, they have like the swings are so flat. I mean, and, and especially for Burns, it's more on the follow through. I guess for Keegan, it's more on the, the, like, you know, coming through the zone. But I guess my final point, we can go back to Rick, but my final point on Keegan is like, he, he lost a stroke to the field on Sunday uh, on his approach shots. Like if you told me on, on Sunday morning, Hey, Keegan's going to lose a stroke to the field on his approach shots. I'm like, there's no chance. Like he has a 0% chance of winning. And so I think like small picture, I agree with you, Greg, bigger picture. That that was sort of my point. So, so let me go bigger picture here. And this is, we can, we can move on, but I think this is important because this is the blueprint for Keegan Bradley. He, he gained 
nearly 13 shots from T to green. He was a positive putter, just less than one stroke over four rounds. That's all he needs. And, and Greg, this actually kind of goes back, as we say, bigger picture. This is going to be his fourth out of five stroke play events that he has gained strokes putting. The one we don't have the data from was the Zurich where him and Steele finished fourth. So presuming they putt pretty well, this is, this is a very good trend for Keegan Bradley. Now it's going to look a lot worse when the, the lights are shining bright on Sunday afternoon and he misses a couple of shorties. It's going to look bad, but this, this is the blueprint. It's, it's improving. I completely agree. And he, and he's hitting, I mean, he came in third this week, approaching the green, losing nearly a, a shot today on Sunday, which probably comes all from the one shot on 13. He probably loses a whole, a whole shot there uh, or very nearly. So when Keegan putts to a zero, he is similar, not quite at the level of a, of a Colin Morikawa, but he's going to be in, in the mix to win a tournament, right? Um, probably, I mean, he could, he could win a major, but he's going to be in contention to win every single week. If he, if he gains strokes on the greens, he will be, around the lead, um, which, which is a really good sign for him. So if you're Keegan, you look at most of this tournament as a huge positive and a huge step in the right direction. And there were many moments today where he, he stepped up. He stepped up this week and hit some really big shots. Now you think about the the hole out on Friday night on number nine. You think about the chip in yesterday at 14. Uh, those those are really big shots. The birdie putt today at nine was was huge. And um, so so those are the things that I hope Keegan draws on. And I hope he's, he's kind of stocking his memory bank with these positive moments. And in the coming weeks, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him holding a trophy he did win a major that was a long time ago it he was, was one like, for one in majors i know uh better career sam burns or keegan bradley in 30 years i mean i have he to can only have it. two wins no he's got more how many wins is Keegan? no he's got he's, four he's got like four or five he's got he's got four he i was four. looking at it earlier yeah. um you got four in a major if you're Sam Burns, cup. you're in your third year on the PGA Tour. And a WGC. Um, yeah. Which are, they're big. BMW playoff be event. It you think it's Keegan? I think it's Keegan. If if Sam Burns has a better career than that, that's a really, really good career. A major, oh, yeah. a playoff event, a WGC, and four wins. If Burns beats that, it's great. Uh, I think so, he has the so, game for that. No, I really? Yeah, I do. No. I do. I, I I don't. I, I I like Burns a lot. I don't think he has a game for that. So Data Golf's comps for Sam Burns at this age. Cam Smith, that makes sense. Uh Patrick Reed, that actually makes sense. Um but Reed started like really taking off at age twenty four, five, six, seven, eight. Uh Kevin Na, uh Michael Kim, probably don't want that one. Uh Re- real Ishikawa. So yeah, I I like Burns a ton. I don't think I think Keegan's I think Keegan will will have a better career. I just think we're going to find out so much about in the next three or four years of who Sam Burns like he could continue to get better, right? He doesn't have to be what he I is hope right he now. Does. Yeah. I would love it if if the if on the Ryder Cup team for the U.S. it was Burns, it was Homa, it was Berger, guys like that. But the, I mean, there's only you know 12 spots, and there's like 28 guys we talk about every week. Yeah. Look, I, I just here's my point with Burns, and I again I think with Keegan's major, you for Sam Burns to beat that, he's going to have to probably win eight or ten times if he doesn't win a major, or he's going to have to win a major, which. Which again, I think he can do. Um, but I, I look at him in a progression. And when you look at Data Golf and you compare his three years on tour, which we're really two and a half in, you're looking at a guy who was really struggling with his iron play, like you talked about before. But I mean, he's 34th this year on tour. And, and the golf swing, I think, pr- really promotes that. I mean, he was 10th this week in proximity to the hole, and it didn't seem like an aberration. It didn't seem like it was something that was difficult to do. So if this, if he's becoming the player that he really is, and and the first two years on tour were the were a learning curve for him, with his ability on the greens, he, I mean, all three years he's been a top 30 putter on the PGA Tour. And I think that's a separator from him and some of these other young players, and it's a huge separator between he and Keegan. So if he can hit the ball like he is this year, if that's really the norm for him, then he'll have a better 
career than Keegan. If this year is just a really hot ball striking year and it all falls off, then I, I then Keegan will have a better career. But I, I really think that it's more towards, I, I think this is who he is. I don't think this year is the aberration. I, that's, that's a fair, I, that's a fair point. Three years is hard. I mean, not everybody comes out the way that uh, Hovland and Morikawa and Wolf do. I mean, for sure, there should be a learning curve on tour. Some guys, we're just blessed to see some guys <laughs> that that uh, think differently. We mentioned that Keegan Bradley finished second in the field in strokes gained tee to green, twelve point eight. The only guy who gained <laughs> more than Keegan uh, was not. Sam Burns, who won. It was not Victor Hovland, who finished T3. It was not Cameron Tringale, finished T3. KP, it was Justin Thomas, who lost nearly six and a half strokes with his putter, which is, he does it, and it's often hard to do. And then you combine that with the fact that he finished T13. Imagine losing six and a half strokes putting over four days and still finishing T13. It's it's got to be frustrating. Did you see the the his 72nd hole? I did not. Yeah. So he misses like a what was it Greg? 4 oh. footer, 3 footer? Yeah. Yeah. Um Five I can get footer? you the It was I have it right here. It was a uh um, Oh. 4 feet he missed he missed a 4 and a half footer. And then he footer. made a 7 footer coming back for Paul. Yes. Right. That that summed up his week right there because he had Rick. I looked it up. He had as many eagles. I tweeted this out. He had as many eagles as he as he made putts over ten feet. That's 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 almost not, impossible to do. I was gonna say not possible. <laughs> because I mean, you almost have to say that again because it's so hard to comprehend. He had as How many, many putts eagles. over ten feet. Oh, he had, okay. So three and three. Yeah. Wow. But a, I think only one of the Eagles was over 10 feet. He had one at exactly 10 feet. So I'm kind of kind of cheating, but uh, verbiage over 10 feet, three putts over 10 feet, three Eagles. It's yeah. it's almost like I don't I, I challenge Justin Ray to find a tournament in which somebody has had more Eagles than they've had putts made over 10 feet. 10 is not a I mean, 20. Sure. But 10. I mean, he should have. I, I he should have used like if he had. If remember when Siwoo putted with his three wood at the Masters? Yeah, I do. If if JT had just subbed in Siwoo with the three wood, <laughs> he he would have finished in the top five of the event. I I, I am convinced that Siwoo with his three wood would have putted better than Justin Thomas did. But I mean, it means he's probably going to win Wells Fargo by like eight. So okay, so let's. Justin Thomas has done this, Greg. Just uh, five starts ago, he lost 5.8 strokes putting at the Genesis. Well, he he tends to figure it out pretty quickly. His next start after that, he was a zero putter. His next start after that, he gained 1.6 and he won the Players' Championship. There was one other occasion where he lost at least five. It was here, the 2019 Travelers. The next start, uh, zero putter. The next start, he lost one. The next start, he wins. I mean, he tends to figure this out pretty quickly. He doesn't generally have a bunch of weeks in a row where he's a losing putter. And and he has been doing some pretty good work this year on the putting. I mean, it really has improved from last year. Um, I, the last couple of weeks, Masters, I don't think was great. I know we don't have strokes gain, real strokes gain, official strokes gain data for that. Um, this week was really bad, but before that, I mean, it was it was a it was a lot better. I want to say. Entering the week, he was 53rd in strokes game putting on the PGA Tour, and he wasn't three putting a lot. It was it was in it was really nice form, um, and so this was a little concerning to me. And and when you see the the first round where he loses 2.6, my thought was, well, he got in under par, and then Friday yeah. is going to be a great round. He's going to have a great we talk, round. We talked going, about this, Rick and I. Yeah, did. I'm sure I. I would have put uh, just about any amount of money that yeah. you guys would have talked about that. Cause I mean, that was the story, right? That, that was the guy you're looking yeah, at saying, okay, yeah. he's going to, he's going to win. He <laughs> was 12 to one. He was told, but, it, and think about this, Greg, I'm looking at his numbers right now. Like JT, think, think about, we've been talking about Sam Burns, how, and he's a really good putter, right? That that's kind of what you've been going to. And I agree. JT's pretty much the exact same, like numbers wise, he's the exact same as Sam Burns. And then you throw in, you, you basically are combining Sam Burns and Keegan Bradley, right? And JT's 
better tee to green than Keegan is, but you're, you're combining that into one and it's JT. And so that's, I mean, Rick's right. Like he's going to, he might win the PGA. He might, he, he might not, he might win like six in a row. Who knows? I mean, you hit the ball like this, you hit the ball like this and it can go one of two ways. It can either get so frustrating that you, it can get so frustrating that you, you kind of lose your, you lose your wits, you lose your way mentally and it can leak into other areas of your game. If it's that frustrating of a problem and your time gets out, because look, PGA Tour players don't look at this like we look at this. They have a different perspective, which is quite obvious. <laughs> Thankfully. Um, and and yeah. they're really worried. They're, they're not thinking, oh, if I just go out tomorrow, I'm going to putt better because that's what, you know, that's what the guys on the first says. podcast say. Yeah they're, yeah, they're not. They're like, well, how am I going to improve my putting? I need to go work on this. And so you wonder, is it going to distract him? Or is this gonna? Is this something he, he's able to write off? In the past, it's been something he's able to write off. So that would say, uh, based on the regression model, that yeah, he's gonna win probably the next at least three events that he plays. He, he is. <laughs> I mean, he. The good thing is about him, he's very on brand, right? I mean, he he continues to be awesome from tee to green. He does have these weeks, and history has shown he bounces back pretty quickly. He he is very much on brand with this. This is not an unusual week. We've seen it from him before. A couple of uh, notables here. I'm gonna uh, run through these fairly quickly. KP Victor Hovland. I don't want to call it the most quiet T3 of the week, but like we didn't talk about him after round one, after round two, after round three. He just goes 69, 69, 68, 65 to finish T3. This was obviously good to see after Zurich where we didn't really know what the state of his game was. And even into leading into the team event, we didn't really know where he was at. This is, this is momentum we're starting to build with Victor. Yeah, do you ever get worried with Hovland that there's um, like he's a just a top ten machine and there's not a ton of win equity? No. It's do you, Greg? Yeah, yeah, I could see, yeah, I could the, see that kind of it's, continuing. It's Puerto Rico and and Mexico. It's not like it's hard to win everywhere on tour. I don't. I think him and Morikawa are kind of the opposite, right? Like Morikawa, especially lately, it's either win or miss the cut. Like yeah, he's been, he, he's very, been a lot more, a lot more volatile, which is great. Like that's what you want to be. Uh, Maverick McNeely was talking about that on the No Line Up podcast. Like consistency sounds great until you never, until you're Tony Fino, mm. right? Yeah, and right. It, it went. Yeah, go ahead. I, I think there's. I think that's a little bit of the con, not concern. I mean, he's uh, Hovland's only played what fifty tour events, not even maybe, and he's won twice. So it's. That's premature, but yeah, I don't know. Like I, I, I'm curious if that becomes a thing over over the next couple of years. The one thing I'll say about that, Kyle, is he has had a lot of um, big, noticeable mistakes in events, and so mm-hmm. the story, while there is consistency in his finishing position, there's an inconsistency week to week within the within the tournament um, where he'll make a nine. Or he'll make a triple and he'll, and he'll fight his way back and contend like he did at Augusta National on his first hole. He made a triple and he still hung in there and um, and played pretty well. So it, it's it's kind of peculiar in that sense. I, I wonder if, how often he'll be able to put all the pieces together. But but you think about the comp, we're thinking Morikawa is going to be kind of like on a JT kind of a um, trajectory where if he had in five years, if he had 14 wins on the PGA Tour and a major um, or another major, nobody would be surprised. But it would be very easy for Hovland not to do that. And if he had only three wins in five years, I, I think we might be a little disappointed. But as Rick said, it's hard to win everywhere. So I, I don't know how many times he's going to win. I I'm, I don't trust the putting, and I still don't trust a short game. And there, those are some pretty big holes to have when it comes down to the actual being in the moment, having to do what you have to do to win. And it, it's not always it's not easy to do. And when those are your weaknesses, they get exposed under pressure. Yeah, I, just, I think it... Go ahead, Rick. No, go ahead. I'm just going to throw stats at this, so I'll throw it on at the end. <laughs> I love it. I love it when you throw stats at stuff. Um, I think some of it's the burden of expectation, right? Like we're praising Sam Burns for getting his first win in 76 starts. And with Havon, we're like, eh, is he a winner? Which is dumb. Like it's, yeah. Like I realize I sound like an idiot, but also like, 
you're a top 15 guy, right? Like you, you and, and this is, it's the, it's the phenom. Maybe it's the Puerto Rico thing. Maybe it's just like everybody who, you know, like, and, and I know we joke about the Puerto Rico curse, but like, I don't know, like you, you and this is kind of what we talked about with Xander over the last couple of years. Like Xander hadn't won in what over, over two years now. And it's like, are you a top 15 guy or not? And there's a million ways to define that. Uh, but uh, I don't know. It, and I still think I've, Hovland is one of the 15 best golfers in the world, but like maybe it's not for him going to be defined by winning big events. I don't know. Who knows? It, it is the expectation to me because you're, you're looking at a guy who gets compared with Morikawa and Wolf and we expect him to be a, a phenom. We expect him. To, he's a phenom, right? So we expect him to have phenomenal results throughout his career. Um, and that's why having two wins at this point isn't, it's not above our expectations where Sam Burns, we don't consider, we don't put him in that group of young stars. So when he wins, he's overachieving. And, and that is the difference between those two players and how we celebrate one and question the other, in my opinion. I just got stuck in a rabbit hole of top 10 percentages and win percentages and stuff like that, trying to figure it out. So uh, this is, this is also going to include European tour, but Hovland, I have at 52 starts, two wins, obviously 11 top tens. That's 21%. To put that into perspective, Tony Finau's top 10 rate is 25% and 218 starts, one win. And his and and Xander Shoffley's top 10 rate is 26%. And then I clicked Rory's name. Now, this is also going to include can Euro I, Can stuff. I guess? I I want you to guess. Um, I think it's like 40, Greg, I guess 33, 49%. Wow. That is insane. He finishes in the the top 10, 49% of the time he tees it up. Yeah. Rom is up there too. Rom's is nasty. Yeah. Rom's like in the forties, I think. He has not had a season worse than hold on, let me sort this correctly. He has not had a season with a top 10% worse than 40% in eight years. 2013, he played 23 times, had seven top tens. That's only 30%. Like it's that was an equipment longer. change year. That's when he that's when he uh, changed equipment. Then he won two majors the next year. Yeah. Yep. This is, That's, uh, this is so I, I'm filthy. so embarrassed to guess 33%. That it's, it's embarrassing. <laughs> I almost said like, I almost said something like 60 or something, which in my head was like, oh, that that's dumb. Like, that's, okay, let's do, let's now we have to do Tiger. <laughs> now, this is a little no. skewed because obviously the last couple of years, uh, I have not been great. Yeah. Uh, 65. Greg over under 65. <laughs> your your uh database is 2015 on. No, this is not my database. This is this is everything. This is everything. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say fifty-five percent. Fifty-five percent, Greg Dushar wow. on the head. All right, that makes up for the Rory one. That makes up for the Rory one. Two hundred and ten out of three ninety-seven. 55%. See, see, this is my point. Greg is Greg is Morikawa and I'm Hovland. He, he's way <laughs> off on one and he nails the other. He gets it right. And I'm consistently wrong. I'm 10% <laughs> off each time. <laughs> uh, real quick, Cameron Tregali finishes T3 and KP. This is one of my favorite stats via Justin Ray. Just became the all-time money leader on the PGA Tour. Lastrix, then you scroll down, you see what that means without a victory, which is still very, very impressive. <laughs> He's kind of like a poor man's coocher, right? Like he's okay. just like he doesn't he doesn't really he doesn't win. I mean, Kucher obviously has won a lot, but he just racks it. He just makes a ton of money. I mean, it's 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 not bad to be Cameron Tringali, right? What'd you say? He's won fourteen something. I think it was 13, yeah, 13 and a half or something like that before this week and then T3 money. So it's going to be around 14 million. And he's having, I mean, look, like he's having the best year of his career, right? Like this is the best, I think this is the best season he's ever had. And, you know, speaking of Kutra, I always go back to this. I've said it probably a hundred times on here. 
but the quote about like it takes 10 years to figure out the PGA Tour, to get assimilated, to, to understand what you're doing, where you're going, how you're traveling, which sounds like a huge learning curve when we compare it to like the Spieth JT stuff. But that's the reality for most guys, the Scott Langley's and, and, and uh, Cameron Tringali's of the world. So, um, yeah, I mean, you got to win at some point, but he's having a great season. So this is my uh, take on Cameron Tringale, because I, I think there is a real take to have here. <laughs> um, in, in 2017, his driving distance was 280 yards. And he's kind of known for being a guy who chased distance. It went up to, in 2018, it went up to 289. So he's getting a little bit longer. In 2019, it went up to 296. Last year, for the first time, he cracked the 300 barrier. It was 301.9. And this year, it's above 300 again at 300.3. So he's a guy who's, who's improved his distance, which is something that a lot of guys have done and not a lot of guys have had success with it. Um, with the exception of, of Bryson, who's really, really obvious. But when Tringali did it, it, it wasn't, it didn't lead to success right away, but he did what he had to do to basically survive at, if he was hitting the ball 280 yards today, like he was in 2018, he wouldn't be competing and he wouldn't be having this year, which is, He's on pace for his best year on the PGA Tour. He has had at least um, he has the the mo almost uh, yeah. So he he earned two million dollars in 2014. He's earned one and a half million this year. Um, so I think he's definitely on the rise. Um, and and you're starting to see when you chase distance how everything has to come together. And it's not just simply a distance thing, but distance is a big part of it. And and he's now this year a really well rounded player inside the top 51 in all the strokes gain categories except around the green and he's gaining in all the categories for the year so mm. for the PGA Tour season so look he's a well-rounded player who now has that asset of of distance where he's able to compete when you're at 300 yards you can compete out there and um and yeah it's nice to see we have to do a betting card update. We have to do a one-and-done update. But, gentlemen, let's do an official World Golf ranking update, courtesy of our friend on Twitter, Nosferatu. Any guesses, and tell me if you've seen this already, what Sam Burns will move to in the world rankings on Monday morning? Uh, I haven't seen this. He was like 94th. So I bet he moves to 50th. He was... He was 94, right? 94, yes. Okay, so Kyle's guess is 50. Great. Oh man. I'm feeling I'm feeling you don't, you don't want to follow this up. inconsistent. <laughs> dramatically inconsistent right now. This could be a this could be a miscut. So he was 94th. He just won. I'm gonna say he moves to 37th. All right, split the difference. 44th is what he is going to move to, which means that 20% of the current top 50 players in the world are 25 years or younger. The game is young. Wait, say, that, These guys say that again. Say that again. 20% of the current top 50 players in the world are 25 or younger. That's crazy. That's a lot. That? That is a lot. 20, one other, 20, I mean, 25 is young. It's yeah. like if you play all four years, it's like two years out of college, three years out of college. The other it's official now, world if, golf ranking thing. Well, if you're a top 50 guy, you're not playing all four years. So that's I'm the idiot. But go ahead. But if you play three years and a year on Corn Ferry, right? Yeah. You don't. So yeah, it's not a lot of year. It's not a lot. Not a lot of. Time How many did there. did JT play? How, how many years was he at Bama? Two? I want to say it was two. I believe One. it was two. And then he played a year on Corn Ferry. Yeah. So he was, yeah. Okay. Uh, at least two because he was uh, Haskins Award in 2020 or 2012. And then he won uh, on the national championship team in 2013. So at least two. Other thing. Rory will be ranked 15th tomorrow morning, which is as this. we continue to go through this uh, on his way down. He's now like for the first time in this many thousand days or whatever. Like it's just um, at least he's going back to Quail Hollow. Maybe he can maybe I think, get some vibes there. So I think we've talked about this a bunch. We lose sight of 
we 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 sort of we have this linear progression of guys. It's like, oh well, um, <clears throat> Victor Hovland's better than Sam Burns, and um, Cantlay is better than Victor Hovland, and JT is better than Cantlay. And it's like that's not really how it goes. Like, there's guys that are like here, and then there's guys that are here, and like we we do it linearly, and it's not linear. Like John Rom is way better than Patrick Reed. Right. And Patrick Reed's ranked seventh in the world. Right. Or eighth in the world. And Rory historically is way better than whoever he's ranked next to Sung Jay. Like way like like standard deviations better. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes when we talk about like we do it all by world rankings and and even if you want to do it by like strokes gained or data golf or brick run good or whatever. Nice point. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. It, it's not. It, it is not linear, and I think we do a disservice to the John Roms and the JTs and the DJs and the Rorys of the world when we talk about it linearly. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, you got to find out what a what it, what is a player. Who are they really, and then where are they in relation to that? Because guys are <laughs> the never essential re- questions from Greg. What, what is, is a player? Is a player. <laughs> yeah, you're never who you really. You, you're never playing to your exact uh, statistical profile. I guess is how you how you can say this. So there's a guy. You, your averages. Yeah. You have averages in everything, and you're so you're expected to perform somewhere around the averages, but you never perform there. And that's how the averages. You're you're better than that, or you're worse than that. It's very rare that you're average. It's just like anyone at home who's playing who's a five handicap. Well, there are days where you play like a scratch, and there are days where you play like a fifteen. But you very rarely play like a five. It doesn't yeah. mean that you go out and shoot five over, but you add them all up, and at the end of the day, you end up with an average. And it's very different than a mode. It's not. That's not the the mode and the average are probably very different. So I, I agree with you, Kyle. He um he is far better than all of these players, and with a great week or a great two weeks, he'll be right back to where he belongs. He's just got to get some things sorted out um, in his game. Do you have Rom's top tens in front of you, Rick? Percentage? Uh, sure. Give me a uh, ten vamp for is me Ram, for fifteen seconds. Is is Rom in the field this week? I think he is. Yes, he, he is. is. Rom, Bryson, Rory, JT. That's a. It's gonna be awesome. Oh, this number. This number is big. <laughs> so I have met 120 starts. Uh, yeah, he has made made the cut in 107. That's 89 percent. His top 10 percent, 51. Yeah, it's it's dirty. He's freaking good. Like, yeah, un- underrated good. See the miscuts. So what? I wonder what the percentage is if you go of when he makes the cut. What the percentage is of top tens? It's probably easy, easy math. It improves on fifty-one, obviously. But he's just the king on Saturday and Sunday of charging up a leaderboard. And if he doesn't have it on Thursday and Friday, but he makes the cut, he, I mean, he yeah, runs he on the weekend. I don't disagree, but he also wins a lot. Oh yeah, of course. Like I'm not got, saying he's, he's a like, backdoor top ten. It's just that he 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 gets the, in his bad weeks. He still finishes t eight. He always has a way is, to get there. For sure, this is sort of my point. Like he's got twice as many wins, three times as many wins as Cantlay in about the same number of starts. I'm just making completely making numbers up. But off the top of my head, Cantlay's got like 110 starts and three wins, and Rom's got like whatever 120 starts and. Eight wins, nine wins, something like that worldwide. Well, worldwide, he's got 12. 12. There you go. So four times as many wins as Patrick Cantlay, who's like the eighth ranked. This is my, that, that's my entire point is like Cantlay's ranked eighth in the world and Rom has four times as many wins in the same number of starts. Right. And Rory has 18 wins. I don't know why right. I'm yelling about John Rom when he hasn't played in like t- t- two weeks. It's okay. Also, if you throw out the missed cuts, Greg, it moves him to 57%. Right. It's, it's so impressive. Okay. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do our odds and ends, which includes our betting cards and our one and done update. I'm making that sound more exciting than it actually is. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back. Quick update on the betting cards. Uh, I won the week, 20% ROI. And producer Jacob's note in here says, Rick's matchups bail him out. (laughs) That's the point, Jacob. That's the whole point. That didn't bail me out. That's the strategy. (laughs) (laughs) It's messed up, uh, man. That is messed up. Congratulations, right? Thank you. They were no sweats, too. Keegan over Gary Woodland. That was like a 30-shot difference. And wow. uh, Brandon Hagee was a sweat. He made the cut. And Mark Hubbard did not. Those were the two matches. I had so. I had some guys that... Uh, some top 20s like Grio and Doug Gim and Chris Kirk who were in the, like the top 12 after day one. And then they missed the cut. I was like, what, what are we doing, guys? Kirk played his last two holes like six over or something on Friday. D- uh, Doug Gim actually hit the ball better than JT on thir- on uh, Thursday and Friday and missed the cut somehow. <laughs> and then also, what was the other one? Grio, oh, yeah, Grio almost pulled the first round leader to miss cut, but he was like third and then missed the cut or something like that. Yeah, Brutal not stuff. good. One and done update. So let's start uh, where we always do, down at the bottom, which is where Coach resides. He started the week with 2.4 million, Greg, and he used your your client, Adam Hadwin, and he got $0. So, <laughs> so he's still at 2.4 million. Yeah, the Adam Hadwin thing uh, has turned out to be quite short-lived. Um, I fired him. <laughs> I'm actually glad so, you're not his coach at this point. It would look, it would look have, bad on you. Do you have dual citizen? Are you a are you a uh, President's Cup team assistant, Greg? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I'm all, I'm all American. Look, the only thing the only thing here, and I mean that in an extremely humble way. Um, but Hadwin, I expected to kind of get on a heater, and it it hasn't happened. So uh, the, that thing has ended very quickly. And I think there's going to be a day coming up soon here where he comes back in and all of a sudden the heater happens, but it happens so far past my prediction that I can't even bring it up because it's just, well, you, you said that three years ago, it's something like that. So look, I, I still think that he's got the right coach and he's working on the right things. I just think he's a little farther off than I originally thought. Producer Jacob uh, is trying to extend past coach, and he is on the verge of breaking through $3 million. He has $2,999,357, but he got JTSGT2G'd. He had Justin Thomas, and he did that thing where he was awesome from T to green and lost six strokes putting, so he got $127,000 out of him. KP... Um, I, I don't know. Would you be what, what? What would be the amount that if Justin Thomas got you, you'd be like, "All right, that's fair." Uh, probably two fifty. That's what's right. what's two fifty is like a top eight, top depending on the tournament, top six. Yeah, and if you get two hundred fifty thousand every week, you'll end with twelve and a half million, which would. It's certainly going to be enough to win this one and done. So yeah, yeah. I think JT is a guy you're hoping to have, you know, an extra comma in there. Well, I think you want for sure. Yeah, like I know it's hard to do, but you're picking these guys. You're hoping that they. I mean, two fifty. If you're if you're on the average, if you're getting the average with JT, you're expecting him to earn above average amounts. So I mean, I think this. But that's my point. Is like the floor for him is the average. I sound like Michael Jordan. Oh, the floor is the ceiling. The floor is, we not everyone can pick Justin Thomas when he gets two point one million at the Players Championship, Greg. I think that's. I think it's two point seven. Oh, even better, two point seven. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. It's the yeah. worst. Yeah. 
Should we combine uh, Jacob? So if we combine Jacob and Coach, they have five point four million, and that would still be seven hundred thousand dollars behind you, Greg. Maybe we should just com- let those two combine bankrolls. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I mean, I could be open to a, a rule change here. I mean, Jacob. Look, I feel open to rule changes. So yeah, especially when they're in his favor. So you could get an extra here, here we go. Here we is go. The, is uh, is the commissioner about to get sort of outvoted by the by the player council? Yeah, this is the PGA Tour. This is this is the PGA Tour, and Rick is Rory. He's the new <laughs> he's the new president. We we run the league, Commissioner Jacob. You well, you are true. that's true. I'm Jane in service Monahan. to you guys. I'm in service yeah, to you for guys. sure. For I sure, I do the negotiations. Uh, you know, I bring them back to my players. Uh, you know, I'm looking out for my guys, and I'm making sure that you know you guys. You guys get what you need, right? I'm going to look out if for we, you. If, if this was, if you were doing Jay Monahan's job, we'd have a microphone sponsor, we'd have a cord sponsor, we'd have a headphone sponsor, we'd have a uh, a, paint a lighting sponsor, sponsor a paint well, sponsor. We'd have a tree, an indoor plant sponsor. Well, we, we do have Sonos, who is the uh, you know we could call we them the official audio partner of the First Cup podcast. Official, they didn't even official pay for today, and congratulations! Go. You got to start somewhere. We need an official. Artificial palm tree sponsor. That's IKEA. <laughs> work on that. Um, I had another. I had something else about this. Producer Jacob. What was I thinking about, Producer Jacob? How uh, I picked Abe Answer two weeks ago, and now he he gets a solo fifth for Kyle because that that also is keeping me up at night. Yeah, that's tough, man. That's tough. Yeah. Uh, Greg. Greg is three million dollars clear of Jacob. Greg took. Corey Connors this week, $65,291. Not the result you were looking for, Mr. Ducharme. Nope, nope. Uh, I'm quite disappointed. I, I thought he was just on such a heat. It was so perfect for him this week. I, um, so I was really happy with the pick. I, it just didn't quite come to fruition. And I feel like I'm in the basement. I feel, I know that I'm, you know, $3 million ahead of Jacob, but I, f- I feel like I'm in the, basement. So I'm, I got my eye on Kyle and I'm trying to do everything I can to at least get in, get uh, on the podium this year. And Corey kind of let me down. I checked the sheet and Kyle has Abraham answer with a solo fifth. And now it's like back to back weeks. I feel like I'm maybe, you know, holding steady or at least gaining grounds. Like last week with Louie and Charles, I thought for sure I'm gaining ground. I look up at the board and I just lost in a playoff to Kyle Porter. And it reminds me of uh, trivia round one all over again. So I'm, I'm not in the best mood. Greg has his eye on Kyle. Kyle has his eye on Mark because with his 282000 that he got from Abraham Answer, he is a mere $29,000 behind, what did he call himself? The one and done King Slayer? I don't know what he yeah. called himself. The Rob Bolton I- Slayer. Oh, the he, Rob Bolton. Uh, <laughs> Rob Bolton in a one event. That's right. I, I knew it was something like that. Uh, and KP, you, my, you, my friends, are in a full-on heater. Six events, three point two million. I think I've taken the most zeros this year because I've picked the most people that I like. I've picked the most uh, dupes. Yeah, duplicates. Uh, but yeah, my last what is that? Six weeks has been. It's like a DJ at the end of 2020 type run. Right. Yep. And you, you've, you've shot 80, 80, 78 a couple of times. And taken I shot a, a bunch of penalty of, strokes. I shot a bunch of, I got DQ'd a couple of times. Yeah. It wasn't even 80s. It was just DQs. You just make a putter change and all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I didn't, even after the first couple of rounds, I was kind of dubious about answer because he, he wasn't hitting it that well. He even talked about that. He talked about it in... I read his either Thursday or Friday transcript, and he was like, "I, I, I my irons are not very good right now," and the numbers <laughs> said that as well. And he kind of just hung in until the end. I, I kept waiting for. I thought he would end up fading to like T thirteen or something, but he he just hung in all the way. And that's kind of who he is a little bit, though. Like I feel like he just kind of hangs around. This is an example of when the putter doesn't cool off after one, two, or three rounds. He lost a stroke on approach. He gained 9.3 with the flat stick. He led the field. Sometimes it just does not regress, and you get a great finish. So imagine if imagine if Answer had putted for JT this week. You could have tweeted out Vince Carter on Saturday morning. Because it would have been, it would have been secretariat, secretariat at Belmont stuff. <laughs> 
Is uh, okay, not to derail us. Is that the oldest like standing so secretariat, whatever that you know, I don't know what the official time was. Is that like the oldest, longest standing record? You know what I mean? Like most records are now modern day because athletes are bigger, stronger, faster. Like this has got to be of of things that have not changed. Like that track size has not changed. That's got to be like one of the greatest accomplishments ever. Wasn't the uh, isn't there like a triple jump record that allegedly will never be broken according to like track people? Somebody should look at the producer Jacob should look this up. I think somebody in like the seventies or eighties had like some triple jump that was like, I think I read Gladwell on this one time talking about how like it was it was a joke like it'll never be touched. Um, the only as as you're do you have something, Rick? Uh, nineteen ninety five. The triple jump record, the world record. Uh, both men and women date back to nineteen ninety five, which is kind of interesting. Jonathan Edwards did it, and Inessa Kravitz did it. We've just got our first triple jump reference here on the First Cup podcast. It is interesting that both men and women in nineteen ninety five. What happened? I wonder what happened there. I'm sure there's something know. that explains it. <laughs> but are you including? Uh, are you including? Sports records, like, uh, are just individual records because Wayne Gretzky's got some scoring records that well, I don't his, think will ever be. Cut. His actually, I think, benefit from the modern game. So his will never be touched because goalies are so much different. They were stand-up goalies. They didn't really play all that well. The pads were a lot smaller. So the rules of the game have kind of kept his records the same. But most things with like Usain Bolt, right? Like things like that where it's just straight on athletes getting bigger, stronger, faster, breaking records. You think they're going to continue to be broken. The Secretariat one is uh, shocking that it has not been broken yet. Yeah. The only thing about the hockey stuff, I agree with you that goalies have gotten a lot better. But uh, many of the other rules have changed in the favor of offense they got rid True. of the two-line pass um the, the way so there there are some other things and look i haven't looked at that stuff in a long time but um but there are a number of rules that i think they they try to get more offense so that's an, a kind of an unbelievable feat as well than the number of goals that he scored but um but yeah secretariat is <laughs> secretariat so i think i think I, I was thinking of the of the long jump which is uh mike mike powell I said it in 1991. Uh, so it stood for, what is that, 30, 30 years? I was born yeah. in 91. I'm 29. 8.95 meters. So that's like 27 feet. And every record, I'm just trying to see. And every record, yeah. Yeah, that's bonkers. It's bonkers. Um. I, where was I? I had well, I had Corey Connors as well. <laughs> Good. Go. Real quick, what's the most unbreakable uh, golf record? Tiger's cut streak. Yeah, I think it's Tiger's uh, strokes gained against the field. Positive, positive strokes gained against the field streak. Have you seen this, Greg? No. What What's the official number? Well, guess Guess the number. Do you, I I don't know it exactly, but are I we know. talking rounds or tournaments? Consecutive rounds in a row. Conse- oh, consecutive rounds. <laughs> in a row. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just straight in a row. <laughs> this, this is uh, <laughs> like an unbelievable. Well, I know he played 52 straight, 52 consecutive rounds or par better. So I would say that it's at least, at least 52. So I'm going to go to 75. Ooh, that's a good guess. I think it was like 93 or 91 or something. Wow. Mark, Mark Birdie did it, and it was ninety. It was like ninety something straight rounds where he beat the field average, which is a. It's impossible. Yeah, you can't do impossible. it. It's just not every time. Day. It's every time. Not one it, bad WGCs, bounce. Majors, major weekends. You can, it's impossible. You cannot right. do that. And that's when he played all the hardest courses. So yeah. like the fifty-two consecutive rounds of par or better. Um, it is another one that I don't know if it can ever be. I don't know if it can ever be broken. Cause it's just, you get, you get bad days and you have hard days and he went through all, he overcame all of that. This is just un- unbelievable. The DiMaggio hitting streak is the unbreakable one in all of sports because they don't have to pitch to you. He doesn't control. He doesn't even control that. When you start getting yeah. to thirties, forties, they're not pitch. Nobody wants to be on the highlight reel for the next hundred years. They'll, they'll stop pitching to you. Yeah. Yeah. It's impossible. Uh, dare I say anything else before we get out of here for the Valspar Championship recap episode? <laughs> I think the most unbreakable golf record might be Cameron Tringali's $13.8 million without winning a tournament. No, that'll happen. There'll be a time when that's, when that's when that's a kidding. year. 
it'll have to be yeah. it'll have to be adjusted for inflation, right? Because the purses are going to get so much larger. That might be yeah. like third. That might be third place at the players in a couple of years. <laughs> Thirteen. There was it's bother, there was one other thing that I had that I'm going to like be laying in bed tonight regretting that I can't remember what it is. But I guess fourteen million dollars is going to be the award for a good tweet in two years. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I hope so. <laughs> There's going to be. I can't wait for the tweets that are like or like someone's going to win more via the pip than than a lot of guys make for playing golf. Yeah, it's going to happen. It's probably going to happen this year. And definitely not often got you're probably not going to get to 8 million and if Tiger wins this year, it's not even he's going to win 8 million more than he did on the course. Do you think DJ like, <laughs> Gun to your head, do you think DJ knows what the pip is? Like if you if if you went up to him tomorrow and was like, "Hey, can you give me just just Anything in the ballpark of what the pip is? Do you think he could give it to you? Yeah, one. I think he, I think I, he could give you one thing. He he could he not. Could. So he he'd be like, oh yeah, they're giving it out for people who like you know move the needle or whatever. But if you ask him to name two of the bullet points or one of the bullet points oh, of the criteria no, that goes into no it, chance. zero chance. Yeah, zero. That's yeah. fair. That's fair. I agree. This All is right, This is. I love it. This is great. I love these are the best. These are yeah. These are the best ones. All right. Uh, that'll do it for the recap episode for this week's Valspar Championship. Let me thank producer Jacob. He does all the hard work behind the scenes. Let me thank Greg Ducharme, who you can find on Twitter at the Real GFD. Let me thank Kyle Porter, who you can find at Kyle Porter CBS, and you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time. Hey everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the Men's Sunday Performance Jogger And don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing.